0: Hello, my name is Trent Miley, and I will be guiding you on a journey. Throughout this show, I will be dramatically reading text, monologues, original work, and sometimes will be joined by my friends, colleagues, and mentors to aid me as your guide. Walking into a theater, we are transported to a world unlike our own. As a performer, I create a universe for you to explore while the sights, sounds, and occasional smells. As an audience member, I sit back and allow myself to be transported along on the journey. Riverside Readings is designed to allow you to enter a world unlike our own and afterwards awards an explanation of the journey we undertook together. So come along with me as we discover what lies ahead on Riverside Readings, a dramatic reading radio show hosted by me, Trent Miley. On this series of Riverside Readings... I will be reading what is arguably the most important piece of literature in British and world history. These pieces are the sonnets of William Shakespeare. Though I will not be sitting here reading you all 154 of them at once, I spaced it out into 20 sonnets per episode, which will last around seven rounds. A key part of the sonnet is understanding the piece's intent, meaning, and tone. For each sonnet, I will be reading a modern translation of the text to deepen our understanding of the pieces. If you want to follow along with me with or without the translation, the sonnets can be found at litcharts.com. L-I-T-C-H-A-R-T-S.com. And the translation is done by Susie Kim, a graduate of Brown University. Without further ado, here are Shakespeare's sonnets 1 through 20. To begin, I will be reading the table of contents, offering a brief description of the pieces that I will be reading to each of you, and a sonnet dedication by the writer Susie Kim. Dealing with topics ranging from love to betrayal and aging, Shakespeare's 154 sonnets contain some of the most famous and quotable lines of verse in all of english literature including shall i compare thee to a summer's day and let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments our Shakespeare translation contains the complete original text of every sonnet alongside a line-by-line modern english translation which will help you decipher Shakespeare's imagery in intricate poetic language throughout all of the sonnets. To the only begetter of these ensuing sonnets, Mr. W. H. all happiness in that eternity promised. By our everlasting poet, Wisheth, the well-wishing adventurer in setting forth, T to the sole inspiration of these following sonnets, Mr. WH All Happiness and Eternity is promised, by our everlasting poet, wished by the well-wishing publisher in printing this. From fairest creatures we desire increase, that thereby beauty's rose might never die but as the riper should by time decease his tender air might bear his memory. But thou, contracted to thine own bright eyes, feedest thy light's flame with self-substantial fuel, making a famine where abundance lies, thyself thy foe to thy sweet self too cruel. Thou that art now the world's fresh ornament and only herald to the gaudy spring, Within thine own bud buryest thy content, And, tender churl, makest waste and miserly. Pity the world, or else this glutton be, To eat the world's dew by the grave and thee. We want beautiful people to reproduce and grow in number, so that the examples of beauty might never die. Even though someone who is ripe must eventually die, his young heir might carry his memory. But you, bound in a contract to your own beautiful eyes, are burning up your own beauty by being single, are making a famine where there is abundance. You are your own enemy, too cruel to your sweet self. You, Who are now the fresh ornament of the world and the best herald of the ostentatious spring are burying your beauty within an unused bud you are being a girly miser wasting your beauty by being so stingy show some pity on the world or else become a glutton by letting what the world deserves be consumed by the grave and you When forty winters shall besiege thy brow, and dig deep trenches in thy beauty's field, thy youth's proud livery, so gazed on now, will be a tattered weed of small worth held. Then being asked where all thy beauty lies, where all the treasure of thy lusty days, to say within thine own deep sunken eyes were an all-eating shame and thriftless praise, How much more praise deserve thy beauty's use, if thou couldst answer, this fair child of mine shall sum my count and make my old excuse, proving his beauty by succession thine. This were to be new made when thou art old and see thy blood warm when thou feelest it cold. When forty winters will occupy your forehead and dig deep trenches the field that beauty now occupies, the proud clothing of your youth so admired by others now will be ripped rags considered to be worth little. Then when someone asks you where all your beauty is, where all the treasures of your sexually active days lie, To say that it lies within your own deep sunken eyes would be an all-consuming shame and wasteful of praise. The use of your beauty would deserve so much more praise if you could answer, this beautiful child of mine is the receipt of my beauty and the excuse for my oldness, and his beauty will be proved because he is your son. This child would be youthful when you are old. You would see your blood warm when you feel it growing cold. Look in thy glass, and tell the face thou viewest. Now is the time that face should form another, whose fresh repair if now thou not renewest. Thou dost beguile the world, unbless some mother, For where is she so fair, whose unerred womb disdains the tillage of thy husbandry? Or who is he so fond will be the tomb of his self-love, to stop posterity? Thou art thy mother's glass, and she in thee calls back the lovely April of her prime. So thou through windows of thine age shalt see, despite of wrinkles this thy golden time but if thou live remembered not to be die single and thine image dies with thee look in the mirror and tell the face that you see in it that now is the time that your face shall make another if you do not renew your beauty by passing it on you cheat the world and unbless some mother There is no woman whose unused womb would refuse your husbandry of her, and who is so foolish that he will make a tomb out of his self-love to stop himself having heirs. You are the mirror image of your mother, and you recall the lovely springtime of her youth. You will be able to see with your own eyes, despite your old age, this golden time of your youth. But if you live as if you don't want to be remembered you die single and your image will die with you unthrifty loveliness why dost thou spend upon thyself thy beauty's legacy nature's bequest gives nothing but doth lend and being frank she lends to those are free then beauteous miser why dost thou abuse the bontiest largeness given thee to give profitless user why dost thou use so great a sum of sums yet canst not live for having traffic with thyself alone thou of thyself thy sweet self dost deceive then how when nature calls thee to be gone what acceptable audit canst thou leave Thy unused beauty must be tombed with thee, which used lives the executioner to be. Wasteful beauty. Why do you spend the inheritance of your beauty upon yourself? Nature's gift is nothing in itself, it is lent, and being generous, she lends to those who are generous. Then you, beautiful miser, Why do you abuse the bountiful endowment given to you to give to others? You profitless banker, why do you spend so great a sum without making more life? By dealing only with yourself, you deceive your sweet self about yourself. So when nature calls you to be gone, what acceptable account of yourself can you leave behind? Your unused beauty will go to the tomb with you which when used lives to be your executioner those hours that with gentle work did frame the lovely gaze where every eye doth dwell will play the tyrants to the very same in that unfair which fairly doth excel for never resting time leads summer on to hideous winter and confounds him there Sap checked with frost and lusty leaves quite gone. Beauty or snowed and bareness everywhere. Then were not summer's distillation left, A liquid prisoner pent in walls of glass. Beauty's effect with beauty were bereft, Nor it nor no remembrance what it was. But flowers distilled, Though they with winter meet, Least but their show, their substance still lives sweet time which with gentle work painted the lovely sight that everyone admires will turn cruel to the very same sight and unfairly treat the most beautiful one for never resting time drives summer towards hideous winter and destroys him there freezing his sap and removing his lush leaves covering his beauty in snow and leaving him barren. Then, if it were not for the distillation of summer, a liquid prisoner trapped in a glass container, the effect of beauty would be lost with beauty, and neither it nor any memory of what it was. But distilled flowers, although they do survive into winter, lose only their appearance, their essence, still sweetly lives. Then let not winter's ragged hand deface in thee thy summer, ere thou be distilled. Make sweet some vile, treasure thou some place with beauty's treasure, ere it be self-killed. That use is not forbidden usury which happies those that pay the willing loan. That's for thyself to breed another thee. Or ten times happier, be it ten for one. Ten times thyself were happier than thou art, if ten of thine ten times refigured thee. Then what could death do if thou shouldst depart, leaving thee living in posterity? Be not self willed, for thou art too much fair to be death's conquest and make worms thine heir then do not let winter's rough hands deface the summer in you before you are distilled fill glass vials with your sweetness treasure some place with the treasure of your beauty before it kills itself this use of your beauty is not forbidden like usury because it makes happy those who willingly pay the loan that would be the case for your breeding another you or 10 times happier if lending at 10 for one? 10 virgins of you would be happier than you are now if 10 of your children reproduced your beauty. Then what could death do if you should die, leaving yourself living after your death? Do not be so selfish. You are too beautiful to be consumed by death and make worms your only heir. Lo, in the East, when the gracious light lifts up his burning head, each under eye doth homage to his new appearing sight, serving with looks his sacred majesty. And having climbed the steep-up heavenly hill, resembling strong youth in his middle age, yet mortal looks adore his beauty still, attending on his golden pilgrimage. But when from high-most pitch with weary car like feeble age he reeleth from the day the eyes for duteous now converted are from his low tract and look another way so thou thyself outgoing in thy noon unlooked on diest unless thou get a son look in the east when the great light lifts up his burning head Each eye underneath pays homage to this new appearing sight, serving the sacred majesty with their gazes. Having climbed the steep hill in the heavens, resembling a strong youth in his middle age, and inferior humans still worship his beauty, watching his golden journey across the sky. But when from its highest point, in a weary chariot, like weak old age, he staggers away from the day The eyes, before so dutiful, are now turned away from his downfall and look another way. So you, reaching your own downfall in your noon, will soon be left alone unless you father a son. Music to hear? Why hearest thou music sadly? Sweets with sweets war not, joy delights in joy. Why lovest thou that which thou receivest not gladly, or else receivest with pleasure thine annoy? If the true concord of well-tuned sounds, by unions married, do offend thine ear, they do but sweetly chide thee, who confounds in singleness the parts that thou shouldest bear. Mark how one string, sweet husband to another, strikes each and each by mutual ordering resembling sire and child and happy mother who all in one one pleasing note do sing whose speechless song being many seeming one sings this to thee thou single wilt prove none when there is music why do you listen to it sadly sweetness belongs with sweetness and joy delights joy Why do you love what you are not happy to listen to? Or do you love things that trouble you? If the true harmony of well-tuned sounds, when united in marriage, sounds unpleasant to you, it is because they sweetly rebuke you, you who spoil by remaining single the parts that you should play. See how one string, like a sweet husband to another, resonate with each other so they can sound in pairs resembling father and child and happy mother, who all together sing in one pleasing note. This wordless song, gathering many parts into one whole, sings this to you. Unmarried, you will achieve nothing. Is it for fear to wet a widow's eye that thou consumest thyself in single life? Ah. If thou issueless shalt hap to die, the world will wail thee like a makeless wife. The world will be thy widow and still weep that thou no form of thee hast left behind. When every private widow well may keep by children's eyes her husband's shape in mind. Look what an unfrift in the world doth spend shifts but his place, for still the world enjoys it. But beauty's waste half in the world an end, and kept unused, the user so destroys it. No love toward others in that bosom sits that on himself such a murderous shame commits. Is it because you don't want to make your widow cry that you waste yourself away in your single life? Ugh, if you happen to die childless, the world will mourn you like a mateless widow. The world will be your widow and will weep, that you have left no form of you behind, since every particular widow can keep her husband's image in her memory, seeing it in their children's eyes. Whatever spendthrift spends in the world changes only its place, and the world still enjoys it. However, beauty wasted is lost to the world, by the beautiful man who keeps his seed unused. There is no love for others in this man who commits such shameful murder on himself. For shame deny that thou bearest love to any who for thyself art so unprovident. Grant if thou wilt, thou art beloved of many, but that thou none lovest is most evident. For thou art so possessed with murderous hate that gainst thyself thou stickest not to conspire, seeking that beauteous roof to ruinate, which to repair should be thy chief desire. O change thy thought, that I may change mind. Shall hate be fairer lodged than gentle love? Be as thy presence is, gracious and kind, or to thyself at least kind-hearted prove. But be another self for love of me, that beauty still may live in thine or thee. In shame, you deny that you love anyone else, since you are so careless in loving yourself. Except, if you can, that you are loved by many, but the fact that you love no one is obvious, for you are so possessed by murderous hate that you don't hesitate to conspire against yourself, looking to ruin that beautiful building which your main wish should be to repair. Oh, change your mind so I can change my opinion of you. Why should hate be housed in your beauty instead of noble love? Be like your own presence, which is gracious and kind or at least be kind-hearted to yourself, make yourself another self, out of love for me, so that beauty can still live in you or your children. As fast as thou shalt wane, so fast thou growest in one of thine, from that which thou departest. In that fresh blood which youngly thou bestowest, thou mayst call thine when thou from youth convertest. Herein lives wisdom, beauty, and increase. Without this, folly, age, and cold decay. If all were minded so, the times should cease, and threescore year would make the world away. Let those whom nature hath not made for store, harsh, featureless, and rude, barrenly perish. Look whom she best endowed, she gave the more, which bounteous gift thou shouldst in bounty cherish. She carved thee for her seal, and meant thereby thou shouldst print more, not let that copy die. As much as you diminish, you will grow in a child of yours, from the life you are leaving. and that fresh blood which you spend in your youth, you can still call yours when you convert it into youth. In this lies wisdom, beauty, and growth. Without this, foolishness, old age, and cold decay. If everyone thought like you, time would cease, and the world would end in a single lifetime. Let those who nature has not made for breeding, rough looking, featureless, and uncultured, die childless. See how nature gave most to those who she gave the best qualities, a gift full of goodness, which you should cherish generously. Beauty molded you as her stamp, intended in doing so that you should print more not let the copy of her die when i do count the clock that tells the time and see the brave day sunk in hideous night when i behold the violet past prime and sable curls all silvered or with white when lofty trees i see barren of leaves which erst from heat did canopy the herd and summer's green all girded up in sheaves borne on the bier with white and bristly beard then of thy beauty do i question make that thou among the waste of time must go since sweets and beauties do themselves forsake and die as fast as they see others grow And nothing gainst time's scythe can make defense save breed to brave him when he takes thee hence. When I count the chimes of the clock that tells the time, and see the beautiful day sunk into hideous night, when I see the violet wilting after its prime, and curly black hair become silvered with white, When I see tall trees without any leaves which once did protect the herd from the sun's heat and summer's greenery all tied up in sheaves, put with their white bristly beards on the bier to be carried, then I make an objection to your beauty, that you must be counted among things ruined by time since sweet and beautiful things abandon their own qualities and die as fast as they see others grow and nothing can defend itself against time's harvest except by his child with which he can defy time oh that you were yourself but love you are no longer yours than you yourself here live against this coming end you should prepare in your sweet semblance to some other give so should that beauty which hold in lease find no determination and you were yourself again after yourself's decease when your sweet issue your sweet form should bear who let so fair a house fall to decay which husbandry and honor might uphold against the stormy gust of winter's day and barren rage of death's eternal cold. Oh, none but unthrifts, dear my love, you know, you had a father, let your son say so. Oh, only if you were your true self, but love. You do not belong to yourself longer than you live in this world. You should make preparations against this coming end and give your sweet image to another. And so should your beauty, which you only have a lease on, will not end with you. Then you would be yourself again even after your own death when your sweet children will have your sweet form. Who would let So beautiful a house fallen to decay, which husbandry might continue to support against the stormy gust of winter's day and the unproductive rage of death's eternal cold. Only spendthrifts let such decay happen. My dear love, you had a father. Have a child so that he can say so too. Not from the stars do I my judgment pluck, and yet methinks I have astronomy, but not to tell of good or evil luck, of plagues, of dearths, or season's quality. Nor can I fortune to breathe the minutes tell, pointing to each his thunder, rain, and wind, or say with princes if it shall go well, if I oft predict that I in heaven find. From thine eyes my knowledge I derive, And constant stars, in them I read such art As truth and beauty shall together thrive, If from thyself to store thou wouldst convert, Or else of thee this I prognosticate, Thy end is truth's, and beauty's doom and date. I don't make my decision based on the stars but I am influenced by astrology, not to tell me about good or bad luck, about plagues, of draughts, or the quality of the harvest. Nor can I tell the fortune of each brief minute, indicating whether each minute will be thunder, rain, or wind. Or say to princes if things will go well, by anything I find in the stars, But from your eyes I take my knowledge. Your eyes are constant stars where I read such things as this. Truth and beauty will thrive together. If you turn away from yourself to breeding, if not, I prophesy this about you. Your death is the doom and death day of truth and beauty. When I consider everything that grows holds in perfection but a little moment, that this huge stage present if not, but shows whereon the stars and secret influence comment. When I perceive that men as plants increase, sheared and checked even by the self-same sky, vaunt in their youthful sap, at height decrease, and wear their brave state out of memory then the conceit of this inconsistent stay sets you most rich in youth before my sight where wasteful death debateth with decay to change your day of youth to sullied night and all in war with time for love of you as he takes from you i engraft you new. When I consider that everything that grows remains perfect for only a little moment, that the huge stage of the world has on it nothing but shows on which the stars have their secret influence, when I perceive that humans multiply like plants, encouraged and held back by the very same sky, boasting of their youthful sap until they peak and then decline, and wear out their beauty until it is lost from memory. Then the idea of this ever-changing state puts me in mind of you. Since you are very youthful, in you wasteful time debates with decay. How to corrupt your youthful day into sullied night. I am fighting against time out of love for you. As time takes from you, I engraft you again but wherefore do not you a mightier way make war upon this bloody tyrant time and fortify yourself in your decay with means more blessed than my barren rhyme now stand you on the top of happy hours in many maiden gardens yet unset with virtuous wish would bear your living flowers much liker than your painted counterfeit so should the lines of life that life repair which this time's pencil or my pupil pen neither in inward worth nor outward fare can make you live yourself in eyes of men to give away yourself keeps yourself still and you must live drawn by your own sweet skill But why don't you, in a stronger way, fight against time, this bloody tyrant, and defend yourself against decay in a more blessed way than my barren poetry? Now you stand on the happy hours of your prime, and there are many virgins that are still unseated, who wish virtuously to bear your children, which would be more like you than any painted portrait. So should bloodlines repair life, which neither time's pencils or my experienced pen can preserve in its eternal essence or external appearance. To keep you alive in the eyes of men, to give yourself away in marriage would preserve you, and you must live drawn by your own sweet skill. who will believe my verse in time to come if it were filled with your most high deserts though yet heaven knows it is but as a tomb which hides your life and shows not half your parts if i could write the beauty of your eyes and in fresh numbers number all your graces the age to come would say this poet lies such heavenly touches ne'er touched earthly faces So should my papers, yellowed with their age, be scorned like old men of less truth than tongue, and your true rights be termed a poet's raised in stretched meter of an antique song. But were some child of yours alive that time, you should live twice, in it and in my rhyme. Who will believe my poetry in the future, if it were filled with the highest praise that you deserve? Although heaven knows my poetry is no better than a tomb which hides your vitality and shows less than half your qualities. If I could express in writing the beauty of your eyes and in fresh verse count up all your virtues, people in the future would say, this poet is lying. Such heavenly qualities never existed in a human face. And then my poems, when they are yellow with age, would be scorned like old men who are more talkative than honest, and the praise that you deserve would be dismissed as a poet's excessive enthusiasm and the overstretched meter of an old song. But if a child of yours were alive at that time, you would be living twice, in it and in my rhyme. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day Thou art more lovely and more temperant. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, And summer's least hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, And often is his gold complexion dimmed. But every fair from fair sometime declines, By chance or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, Nor lose possession of that fair thou owest nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade, when in eternal lies to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. Should I compare you to a summer's day? You are lovelier and more mild. Even in May rough winds shake the delicate flower buds, and the duration of summer is always too short. Sometimes the sun, the eye of heaven, is too hot, and his golden face is often dimmed, and beauty falls away from beautiful people, stripped by chance or nature's changing course. But your eternal summer will not fade, nor will you lose possession of the beauty you own, nor will death be able to boast that you wander in his shade. When you live in eternal lines, set apart from time as long as men breathe or have eyes to see as long as this sonnet lives it will give life to you devouring time blunt thou the lion's paws and make the earth devour her own sweet brood pluck the keen teeth from the fierce tiger's jaws and burn the long-lived phoenix in her blood make glad and sorry seasons as thou fleetest and do whate'er thou wilt swift-footed time to the wide world in all her fading sweets but i forbid thee one most heinous crime O, carve not with thy hours my love's fair brow nor draw no lines there with thine antique pen Him in thy course untainted do allow for beauty's pattern to succeeding men. Yet do thy worst, old time, despite thy wrong. My love shall in my verse ever live young. Devouring time, soften the lion's claws and make the earth eat up her own sweet children. Pull out the sharp teeth from the fierce tiger's jaws and burn the long-living phoenix in her blood. Make glad in sad seasons as you fly by, and do whatever you wish, quick-footed time, to the wide world and all of her perishing beautiful things. But I forbid you one most hateful crime. Please don't not carve wrinkles into my love's beautiful forehead, or draw any lines there with your old pen allow him to remain uncorrupted in your domain to be a model of beauty to all future men but do your worst old time despite your crime my lover will live on in my verse forever young a woman's face with nature's own hand painted hast thou the master mistress of my passion a woman's gentle heart, but not acquainted with shifting change, As is false woman's fashion. An eye more bright than theirs, less false and rolling, Gilding the object whereupon it gazeth, A man in hue, all hues in his controlling, Which steals men's eyes, and woman's souls amazeth. And for a woman wert thou first created, Till nature, as she wrought thee fell a doting, and by addition me of thee defeated by adding one thing to my purpose nothing but since she pricked thee out for women's pleasure mine be thy love and thy loves use their treasure a woman's face painted by nature's own hand is what you have master mistress of my feelings you have a woman's gentle heart but have not experienced its tricking changes the typical behavior of false women. Your eye is brighter than theirs, but less false in how it moves, turning into gold whatever it looks at. You are a man in physical form, but able to control all appearances. You still the eyes of men and amaze the souls of women. And you were first made for a woman until nature, when she was making you, fell in love with you. And by addition, defeated my purpose for you by adding one thing that is useless to me. But since nature selected you for women's pleasure, I will have your love. But the use of it will be their treasure. If you enjoyed listening to me talk, I have another show on Spotify called Extra Points with Bakari Garvin. And if you want content or knowledge about your host, me, Trent Miley, I have a professional Instagram at Riverside underscore readings. Please like, follow me, and get to know me more from a professional setting. This has been Riverside Readings, a dramatic reading radio show by me, Trent Miley.